and bless the Lord. Get out your Bibles and uh, your tablets, your phones, whatever you read the Scripture in, and we're just going to start. We've just got one little, little verse, but after a while, we'll uh, read a portion of Scripture, so you can keep your Bible handy for that. I want to go to the book of Genesis, and I just want to take one verse out of the third chapter, and that's the 13th verse out of the third chapter of Genesis. God speaking to the woman. And the Lord God said unto the woman, that was Eve, What is this that thou hast done? What is this that thou hast done? I don't want to cut Adam out of the mix. And I don't want to blame the women for all of our sorrows. Paul, I think it was, put it this way. The woman was deceived and the man, eyes wide open partook of sin, so I'm not cutting him out of the mix either. But we want to speak to this uh, this morning. What have you done? What have you done? What have you done? So let's pray that God would just anoint his word to the reception in our spirit. We thank you, Lord. Take it off of paper and ink and out of just words of conversation. And make it life. Your word is alive. It's quick and powerful. And sharp. It divides. The suke. And the numa. Lord our own. Mind and flesh. Thinking it divides. So that our spirit. Can understand a thing. And we ask you for that. We ask for an anointing on your word. Which comes. Lord, by your spirit, we pray your spirit would just touch each one of us as we deliver what you've given to us this morning. May it go to good food for our life. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 I don't want to just harp on Eve, uh, but I do need to use her. Jesus said of the woman who put the ointment on his feet, everywhere that the gospel is preached, this woman's name will be brought up. Or this woman will be brought up. We didn't know her name. I think it was Mary. But Eve is a good big target for us. She's the mother of, of sin. And so we're going to deal with her a little bit. But I want to talk this morning about innocence, lost, and found. Innocence, lost, and found. I don't want to bring up bad memories. There may be some here this morning that said that my childhood was, I had some rough things, I had some a hard start in life, and I don't want to harp on bad memories. I want to look to some good memories. There was a point in our life as we were just little children, we didn't know anything. We just knew 
that we wanted to play and have fun and just enjoy ourselves. Now, if you can go back there, that was a time that you had not been introduced to the world yet. You hadn't been introduced to sin and its results and its problems. But it was just a time of innocence in your life. And I thought about that myself. You can go back there with me and think about when you were little. Think about the time that you had not yet been exposed to things that were going to hurt your life, maybe corrupt your life, your mind. And just a little one, just a little child. How many can go back there with me and say, I can remember back that far. I mean, I'm 66, but I can remember back when I was two, three, four years old. And you just feel this. The only thing you, you, you just know, mom and dad, or they're just watching out for you, and maybe big brother, sister. And all you're required to do is just, just enjoy your childhood and, and, and playing with your friends and just all the little things. And then a lot of times mom and dad would have special little events or take us places. And, and I can remember that. And it just seemed so innocent in your life, pure, clean, wholesome. You were ignorant, ignorant of things around. But at that age, ignorance is bliss. You don't know the pressures of life. You don't know the troubles that lay ahead. And if when we were in that state could see in front of us some of the things that were out there that were going to be in our life, we probably would want to have stayed in, the, in a cocoon of innocence and ignorance and trust. Then we begin to grow, we begin to understand, we begin to be exposed to things, and it seems like that somewhere in our life, the innocence was lost. And that's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough thing to look back at because I mean, we can blame other people. We can blame circumstances. We shouldn't have been there. I wish we hadn't partaken of that. I mean, just all kinds of things that, that we could look at. But, but my point is, is that somewhere we got to a place in our life, and it may, may have been older than just real young. It, it may have been older in our life, and, and then we came to a place where we lost the innocence. We knew that we had lost that first innocence that we had. <clears throat> the boys, sometimes we play Western music and not this new country stuff, but, but this song comes on. I don't know if it's on playlist or something, and I've heard it before. Back in the 90s, uh, Billy Dean, I don't know if anybody know who Billy Dean is. He's a country Western singer. Back in the 90s, he wrote this song, that just kind of spells out what I just said. I miss Billy the Kid. So I'm going to give you these words. Let me just give you these words. We're, we're going back to a time of innocence, okay? Strapped on my holster low across my hips. 
two Colt 45s with black pistol grips, plastic grips. And I'd head west through our neighborhood, and they'd say, here comes young Billy. He's up to no good. I rode a trail through my neighbor's backyard, shooting the bad guys through my handlebars. Known for my bravery far and near, being late for supper was my only fear. I miss Billy the Kid. The times that he had, the life that he lived. I guess he must have got caught and his innocence lost. I wonder where he is. I miss Billy the Kid. And when I heard that the first time, it gripped my heart. Exactly what the world doesn't know. Ignorant. Ignorant in their misunderstanding of life. And we do. We miss those times. And, and, and with a nod of your head, you say, I miss. I miss those times when I was young and, and so innocent, so guiltless. This is Billy Dean. He doesn't know, but but when he wrote this, I was looking looking at an interview that he had with the man who talked to him about this song. He said, "Wow, that is so deep." And yet, you know, it just goes on Western music, and I miss Billy the Kid. But when you stop and look at these words, I mean, the message is just blow you out of the water. Wouldn't it have been awesome if we all had been innocent? I'd have loved it if I could have lived 66 years and look at my whole life and said, I just lived in that innocence all my life. Just in that trusting, loving, clean and pure heart and conscience and mind. And But when he says, I miss Billy the Kid, what he really means is that he's gone. And he's never coming back. The innocence is lost. And there's no return to it. It can't be restored to me. He's gone. Billy's gone. And I'll never, ever feel that innocence again. What about Eve? What about Eve? I hate the devil. Somebody say amen. He is such a liar. Jesus said he's not only a liar, but he's a father of lies. He comes to the innocent Eve who knows no sin. She is a grown adult. And what we just talked about, I don't know how many years they were in the garden. But in the garden, there is just innocence there. God raised them with purity. He brought them to life with just not knowing anything, but just trust in Him. Uh, when you can think back as a child, that's what they knew as grown adults. And it may have been in that garden for a long time. We don't know. I don't think this happened the day after Eve came to life, taken out of Adam, and, and God breathed into her also the breath of life. And I don't think that it was a short period of time because they were living in this bliss. 
It was ignorance bliss. And, and so the devil comes to her and says, you're ignorant, you're stupid. You don't know what you're missing. Let me tell you what the devil does. It's his job to strip innocence from every human life. That's what he intends to do. That's what he sets out to do. This is the way that he fights God. This is the way he fights the kingdom of goodness and righteousness is that he attacks every single person in the world to get their innocence. And once that innocence is gone, it's lost forever. And Eve, I don't think she even realized the consequences of what she had done after she listened to the liar and after he told her things that were not the truth about sin. I'm going to tell you this morning again about sin and and for our younger people, our older people, we understand that, that sin is a horrible mess in our life. It never turns to good. It never services us like the devil says that it will. It looks good, it seems right, but it always brings us to calamity in our life and strips the innocence that we have every time sin will take you farther than you intended to go. Sin will keep you longer than you intended to stay, and sin will cost you way more than you ever intended to pay. This is the characteristics of sin. It will keep you, it will, it will drag you down, it will drain you, it will hold you back, it will ruin your life, it will ruin your innocence, it will take away every good virtue that God installed into your life. And so the devil is out tempting every human being. Just take the sin. It's really better than what God has to give. But I'm here this morning to tell you this, that sin is never better than what Jesus offers. And so I was thinking about this this thought some time ago now when Pastor Rodney said, can you unsee things can you unsay them can you unhear them somehow can you undo them no what's done is done and you don't get redos well, I just want to go back to innocence and then I'm going to try it over again and, and maybe this time, maybe this time I'll, I'll, I'll listen to the Lord instead of listening to the devil. But you don't get to do that. When the innocence is gone, it's gone. It's like Pandora's box, the Greek myth, mythological idea of where evil came from in the world. Does anybody know about Pandora and Zeus who gave her brother this this box of vile, horrible spirits and evil and said, don't open it. And then Pandora took the privilege herself on herself to see what was in the box. And when she opened the box, every kind of filthy garbage spirit dirty, horrible fear and rottenness. The very thing, this 
this really is a parallel, even though it's a Greek myth. It did not happen. This, this is a view of what sin is. And then once it got out, she tried to put it back in, and there was no way to get those spirits back in the box again. Let me tell you about sin. When you open the door to sin, there is no way to reel it back in. Well, I just want to see what sin's about. But when you open that door... Every filthy, ungodly thing is going to fly out of that box. And there is no reckoning of where it might stop, where it might end. And so for this reason, you lose your innocence. It's a bad story. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't want anybody to sit here this morning and act like I've never sinned. Not me. You're preaching to somebody else. And it may be on a, on a small level. It, it may be things that, that, you know, some of you young people maybe, maybe haven't done anything really that's too bad. And, and, but all have sinned. Somebody say amen. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Tainted, dirty, corruption, violation, and even more than that, guilty of allowing that in our life, and now guilt sets in where innocence once was, and innocence is lost, and all that's left is regret and sorrow. I wish, and I don't know how many are here with me this morning, that would say with me, well, Pastor, you've always been perfect all your life. Oh, no. I wish. Somebody say amen. I wish I could have some redos. I wish that somehow I didn't reap the consequences of, of sowing the seeds that I sowed. I wish that had never happened. I wish I had never cracked the box open. But every one of us have. Every one of us have experienced the loss of the childhood innocence in our life. But the great hope is this. I, th th this is so great, so beautiful. If you have your Bibles, I wanted to uh, read a little portion of Scripture now. It's found in Colossians, the first chapter. And if you'll go there with me to the 17th verse, and I just want to read to the end of the chapter here. So your innocence is lost. But be start, starting in verse 17. And he is before all things, and all things consist in him. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that he be preeminent in all things. Because all the fullness was determined and pleased to dwell in him. And through him making peace. Listen, by the blood of his cross to reconcile all things to himself, through himself, whether the things on earth or the things in the heavens, and you, everybody say me, and you then were once alienated. And that just simply means that you were removed, that you were lost from, and the enemies in your mind by evil works, but now 
he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and without blame and without charge before him if you continue in the faith grounded and settled and not being moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard proclaimed in all, in all the creation under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. So, when I look at this paragraph, I see the restoration, I see the reconciliation of God that God, the Son of God, preached in, in, in the Scriptures before, preceding this, the Son of God, the image of the invisible God, who we know, the Rabbi, the Lord, the Savior, Yeshua, Jesus Christ. He's the one that we're talking about in this setting of Scripture right here. And He is before all things, and pra, He is uh, preeminent in all things, and all things consist in Him. He bled on the cross to reconcile us, to present us. Listen, I believe that what he did is not just something to be looked at as just little sin forgiveness. And, and Lord, just, just forgive me of my sins. But he bled to reconcile. He bled to restore. If you know what the word reconcile means, it means something that was not, it was lost, and you bring it back. Something that had gone another direction, and you reconcile it and bring it back. You take something to the pawn shop, and you put it on pawn there, but then you go and reconcile that and bring it back to you. And this scripture is all about that we were lost, and our innocence was gone, but thank God, He presented something to us. He presented to us an opportunity that you can never get in this world again you can't go back you can't get to your innocence you can't get to your childhood but let me tell you this this morning he has reconciled you sitting here in this seat he has reconciled you you've come through a waste time in your life you have come through sin you've come through trouble you've come through mistakes you've come through being violated in your life you've come through corruption in your life but he has reconciled us by his blood on the cross you're reconciled this morning you are reconciled I believe Paul was again and said you're a bot with a price you're not your own but he has bought you in a tarnished and dirty and ruined state and condition but he has bought you and brought you back and he wanted to do something in your life. He wanted first to present you holy. It's an amazing thing for me to look at a God who knows all things. He knows where I've been. He knows where you've been. He knows the trouble of your life. He knows the failure of your life. But he didn't want you to stay in failure. He didn't want you to stay in a place of the loss of innocence in your life. And so what he did is that he wanted to present you holy. And he wanted to present you blameless. This word blameless has to do with going to court and there being sued and and having something against you that somebody could sue but but he erased that that was written against you and he made it null and void and so you are 
blameless before him. And Satan may come and he may try and tell you a thing, but you can look at him in the word of God and say, I am blameless. You can't bring me up on charges. You can't ring me up in my old life. You can't torment me about things that are gone. Jesus reconciled me and I am blameless this morning. You can't put blame on me because Jesus has reconciled me. Now, if it was just me, you could. But I didn't purchase this. I didn't make this come about. It was the Lord who purchased me. And so I'm looking to Him. My faith in Him, not in me. And then, so there's also one other word here that is without charge. There's nothing that can be charged to your life. There's nothing now that it's like sometimes we feel like there's things pending out there and they're going to catch up with us. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. You know, I, I, I just know that the IRS is going to catch up with us somehow. They just hired 82,000 more agents and somehow they're going to come to my house and they're going to find where I misappropriated a dollar and they're going to try and, try and uh, uh, you know, uh, charge me and find me and, and all of that stuff. And it almost kind of hangs in the corner of your mind. That's to those who have dealt with the IRS like I have. It seems like sin is out there in the corner of the mind somewhere is that it's going to get me because I've been there and I lived there and I shouldn't have been. And, but I want you to know this morning that you are blameless and without charge. There is nothing against you this morning. God has taken care of it. You're free. You're cleansed. You're right. You're holy. You're blameless. You can't get any better than what you are right now. Somebody said, well, when I get to heaven... You know, I know when I get to heaven that everything's going to be all right. No, everything's all right right now. Now we are the children of God. Right now, not later. Now we are the children of God. Thank God that, that somehow, somehow he has done a miracle work in each one of our lives. And then finally in this, it said, if you... Remain, it says, if you remain in the faith, if you remain in the faith in Him. Whenever there's an if in the Scripture, that presents a condition. And so some of you that haven't heard this, let me, let me just tell you this real quick. In the Old Testament, there's an if. There's enough ifs there, one for every two pages. That's how many ifs there are, conditions in the Old Testament. But when you get over to the New Testament, we get away from all that, right? Yeah, there's one for every page in the New Testament. There's always an if there. I'm living in a state of in innocence in my life. I am blameless. I'm forgiven. I'm washed. I'm clean. I'm pure. But there is an if. And the if is... If I go out and do my thing, I'm going to end up right back where I was. But if I stay in Him, if I know He's cleansed me, if I know He's saved me, if I know that it's Him that has delivered me, that it's Him who has washed me and set me right, that it's Him who has reconciled and redeemed my life, and I stay in that faith, then it just continues in this state. We can go right back to the garden. 
Eve, before you fell, whatever it was, your communion with God. Adam, before you sinned, before you took on sin in your life, there was this time that you just knew the peace of God and the glory of God and the strength of God in your life. And I want you to know that you have the right to accept that, that every day you are free. Every day you have been redeemed. Not just on Sunday, but on Monday. When you get up Monday morning, you are redeemed. When you go to bed Monday night, you're redeemed. When you get up Tuesday morning, you are washed and cleaned and pure and you are innocent in the eyes of God. Somebody say amen. It's a beautiful feeling. The flesh fights it. The devil fights it. He comes back try and tell you. Come back try and remind you. But I'm going to have to agree with what the Word of God says about my life. And I'm going to walk in it. Can you say amen? I'm going to walk in it. So let's look at a couple of words here that Paul uses in, in some other places, quite a few places in, in his epistles. He uses this word justification. Justification. Somebody said, well, the simple uh, rendering of justification would be that you are just as if you had never sinned. I'll go along with that. That, that sounds like a, 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 a good uh, definition of that. Or really, just, justification deals. It's, it's the Greek word dikeo, which, which deals with the legal issues of going to court and being justified going through court and the judge saying that you are innocent of the crimes. That's what this word, justification deals with the guilt in your life. Sometimes people get saved when we go on a while and, and still feel guilty. Can somebody attest to that? Still feel guilty. Still feel like, wow, you know, Boy, I should have never done this. I should have never done that. I should have, and, and this guilt, you know, still on us. But I want you to know this morning that God has taken care of the guilt in your life. You don't need to be guilty. You've been proclaimed innocent. The second word I want to talk about is sanctification because sanctification doesn't deal with the guilt of sin in your life. Sanctification deals with the deliverance power of God over sin in your life. And so you're not just justified now. Sin has been forgiven, but you're not going out to walk in sin any longer because now you are not a servant of sin any longer. Should we sin because of the grace of God about? No, we are not the servants of sin any longer, but we walk in Him. Come on, say amen. We walk in Him, and we walk in Him, and we live in Him. And as we live in Him, the sanctification of who He is takes character in our life, and we become sanctified, not by our own work, but because He sanctifies us in giving us the power over the failure that we used to live under. Men to their self. We're coming up on New Year's and resolutions. I always get, you know, every year people make resolutions, sometimes good and sometimes foolish, that you're never going to be able to do. 
But a man that says I'll never do it again and lives in sin, I guarantee he's going back because he does not have power over the sin in his life. But when God sanctifies you, now you don't, you're not the servant of sin any longer. The devil's not your father any longer. You've been bought. You've been changed. You've been reconciled. You've been forgiven. You've been washed and clean. I've talked and prayed with people who have come up to the front who wanted to be forgiven of their sin, and we would pray tears coming down their eyes and wanted dearly to be forgiven of their sin, but they did not. They wanted to be justified, but they didn't want to be sanctified. They wanted to go back out and live in their sin and then get forgiven again and live in their sin and get forgiven again. This is not the way God's going to do it. It's if you live in Him, then the blood of Jesus Christ washes us from all ungodliness. Can you say amen? We walk in the light as He is in the light. We have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Wow, that's, that's good. That's encouraging. I'm thankful. Innocence lost, but regained in Jesus Christ. See, so we're talking about songs, so... Let's talk about Mercy Walked In, Gordon Moat's song. Billy Dean doesn't know this. The second verse said, I stood there and wondered how could this be that someone so guilty had just been set free. My chains were broken. I felt born again the moment that Mercy walked in. And he's saying the same thing. It's not just mercy. It's the Lord and His mercy. But Billy Dean looks back to, I miss Billy the kid. But I want to tell you this morning, there's no need for you to go back and say, I miss Rodney the kid. I miss Chris the kid. I miss Cooper the kid. I miss Heather the kid. We don't need to go back there because we have a newness of life that we are walking in, that we have been cleansed, that we have been set free. We live in innocence right now. I don't have to go back there. I'm walking right now because the guilty has been forgiven. The guilty has been set free and innocence has been restored to us. So brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus. By the authority of the gospel that we believe. I pronounce to you that you have been restored back to innocence in your life. That which you thought was lost forever has been found again. You thought I could never get there. Somebody said, my sins were too many. My failures were too great. I could never get there. And you can't by yourself. But I present to you, I proclaim to you, the truth of the gospel in Jesus Christ right now, this moment. I present to you that you are innocent in the eyes of God. Oh, there's neighbors and friends and people who know things on you who may not ever, they may not ever forgive you. They may never 
get to the place where they have faith in you. Maybe you failed people. Maybe things have gone so wrong in your life that it looked like you lost all your friends, you lost your family, you lost people that loved you. But I want you to know that right now, and this is why the family of God is so important. Brothers and sisters, we all experience the loss of innocence. But every one of us sit here this morning with this great hope in our life. Well, prove it, Pastor. I don't have to prove it. I just have to believe it. I didn't write it. I didn't make it up. God wrote it. God spoke it. God said it. But the flesh says one thing and God says another. I am going to listen to what God said. I believe He has the final authority and voice over all of our lives. Can you say amen to that? And so, I'm not going to worry about what the flesh thinks. The flesh, let every man be a liar. And that includes me and what I'm dealing with. And the pressures of life. And the things that have gone wrong. And all the stuff that's been in my life. And that's why I said there is just one thing. I said it last Sunday. All the things that have happened to us. That have taken us out. Taken us away from innocence. Everything that happened in our life. And we know what they are. And we know where we were. But everything that happened. There's just one thing that you need to know this morning. And that isn't that you failed. And that isn't that you sinned. And that isn't that you came short of the glory of God but what you need to know is that he laid on him the sins of us all and by his blood we are right in the eyes of God just one thing you need to know that's it you don't have to know all mysteries you don't have to know everything there is to know in the scripture but what you need to know to live is that I'm innocent in the eyes of my God. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for that this morning. I'm so thankful. Those that serve Allah don't have this guarantee. <coughs> they don't know where they stand with their God. On the scale of their life is good works and bad works. And their God, Allah, is going to measure that out. And if their good works exceed their bad works, then Allah is going to appreciate them. And I'm so glad that that doesn't need to happen for the Christian believer. Because our God isn't weighing things. He already weighed them out. He paid the price. Can you say amen? And I just am able this morning to bask in the glory of his goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can everybody just say, right, just sitting right there this morning, I want you to just close your eyes. And I want you to think, I was innocent, but then I came through a bunch of garbage in my life. But you know what? I'm innocent again. Jesus Christ has restored. We talk about that which the canker worm and the caterpillar has eaten. We're not talking about getting more finances and getting good things that, that the devil stole. Here's, here's what he stole from us. He stole our innocence. And thank God it's been restored. Hallelujah. Can you say thank you, Jesus, this morning? Let's just say out of your mouth, each one of us this morning, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, for what you've done. I don't know why Jesus loved me, but he did. Hallelujah. 
I don't know why he went to the cross for sinners, but he did. And we just live in it. We thank you for it, Jesus. Everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. I hope that you received something this morning. I hope that your spirit was revived inside of you. I know the struggles of life. I know the tricks of the devil, the wiles of the devil coming against us, throwing things at us, all that stuff going on. But I just wanted to reaffirm that our faith outweighs anything, any trick of the devil. Our faith in Christ outweighs that. Can you say amen? Amen. I'm glad that I know him. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Hallelujah. Would you stand with us this morning? Lord, we did our best. We preached what you give us on our heart this morning. And I just pray that we'll walk out of here with heads lifted high. Not proud of ourselves, not proud of where we've been, but proud of our Savior and Lord who has called us out of darkness into his glorious light. And we just thank you, Lord. Bless each life, each heart that was here this morning. God, lay your goodness and your mercy upon us, we pray in your name, Jesus. Everyone said, Amen.